This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Dunks and Discourse, episode 49. Um, very excited, very excited not to have Jabari Davis with me today. Um, following that Lakers win, he would have been just insufferable. So I'm, I'm very, very happy to bring my guy Giancarlo on. Um, at G Navas, N-A-V-A-S 103 on Twitter. You probably know him, big heat guy, at Miami Heat Beat. He's got his own pod. Giancarlo, thanks for hopping on, man. I am very excited. I'm here to talk finals. I'm here to talk anything you want, Josh. You are the man. I am. I am always happy to join whatever you're doing. I, you know what? You, you know me. You know I'm a big LeBron fan, and I'm going to be happy if he gets number four. But I would have loved for us just to be sitting in our chairs here, punching Jabari in the gut. Had the lake had it gone the other way. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. I would have loved that. <laughs> You know, as we're talking pre-show here, um, we're getting into, I'm a Mass fan, John Carlos, obviously a heat guy, and we're talking 06, we're talking 2011. But before we do that, man, um, we always do like the Dunks and Discourse episode, and we take like a player whose number corresponds with the episode number. So 49, we're getting into some pretty obscure players. There are only two guys in NBA history who have worn number 49. One of them was a member of the Miami Heat. Does that? Do you happen to know who that would be? Let me see. Forty-nine. He only played one season with Miami. I don't know. Okay. Second hint. He was on the '06 championship team. So it wasn't Michael Doliak. It wasn't Darrell Wright. No. Let me think. Oh my God! I can picture him. <laughs> um, really skinny. Yes. Oh my God. I know, I know. Oh my god, I know, I know. Like little goatee, very skinny, had Andrews. the brawn hairline. Andrew Sean Andrews? Uh, no, but you're close. You're so close, Shandon Anderson. Oh my god. That's and I, I, I was like, how perfect is that? This is the only guy, one of only two people who were 49 in NBA history. Shandon Anderson, the legend, 13 points. I was points. in middle school during that team. I was in eighth grade. I was but a young sports fan. Me too, man. That was. Ex- I think I was grade nine in 06. I think it was grade so like, nine in 06. So I, I'm, I'm a Miami guy. My dad came from Colombia. My mom came from Italy through Venezuela. So, you know, my family's a family immigrant. Basketball was never a thing in my house. And for most second-generation Hispanics, basketball was not something that was brought to us from our parents' country, right? Like, all my friends, none of their parents were born here. Uh, so, like, we were soccer fans. Everybody had a soccer Like, we all had soccer teams, and my dad, Liverpool, and everything. So it wasn't until, like, that 05 Heat team that, like, I started liking non-soccer sports, right? Because we were not indoctrinated to American sports. So I, that, you know, bas- so that I was, like, my real first time being, like, an actual sports fan, not just watching the Colombian national team. And was that because Deshaun coming was, like, such a big storyline that really it was brought Dwayne. the eyes to the team? Or was it Wade just coming up? It was up? Dwayne, man. Like, you know, you watch him at a young age just do I – mean, because Shaq, you know, when you're a kid, Shaq's not as fun to watch as Dwayne flying around, throwing True. up weird acrobatic layups. Like, that was like, whoa, I've – this is just, like, otherworldly. So that really, like, caught our attention. And he was also, like, a young guy. Like, Shaq was older, so – you know, I've always said that Miami has had a really interesting relationship with Dwayne where it's sports fans or it's basketball fans particularly because of like the immigrant aspect of this. We grew up with Dwayne, right? So I'm I'm now 
about I'm, I'm almost 30 right and Dwayne's also like a, a, a fully grown man and we've watched him mature and grow into a father into a player into a person from a young guy who was baby faced had no teeth now he has a big ass goatee he has a son and a wonderful daughter and he's just you know he's he's being a dad and stuff and it's been like a really cool journey as fans to kind of grow up alongside a guy like that so it's really great yeah it's pretty sweet man i, I remember like before i hated wade he was really fun <laughs> before and i i didn't even hate him after 06 it wasn't until the heatles that i actually started to hate him a little I bit i can't even blame you man i get it yeah. I, I totally get it but I, rem- I remember, I don't know if it was 06 or 09, he had this crazy play against the Nets. He came in, he did like a 180 spin, and he was tur- totally turned the other way. And I was like, what the fuck is he even doing in the air? And he threw it just behind his head. He was just above the free throw line and swished it. And it was the most ridiculous circus shot I think I've still probably ever seen in basketball. He could do some just crazy stuff when he was younger and just jump out of the gym athletic, man. I think people forget the body control that Dwayne had. Like, I think the fast twitch fiber athleticism is one thing, but the control that he had in the body, the ability to be able to take contact in the air, finish and contort after the hit, right? So he'll go up, right? And he'll he'll take the body check and he's strong enough and coordinated enough to adjust spin and he, the floor vision he had too. So there's always a threat of the pass. So if a guy comes to help to come block the shot, he's a, he's one of the most underrated passes in NBA history. Incredible body control, incredible finisher, athletic as all hell. It was like, I'm sad that he never truly got to play in space, right? So he came up during the, the, the mid-2000s where, you know, it was like phone booth offense, right? You're playing Alonzo Mourning and Shaq at the same time. You know what I mean? Not not like now, like in this high pick and roll, you know, if he got to play in a Mike D'Antoni offense like Houston, you know, I, I really wonder what he would be able to do. You're, you're telling me Michael Beasley and uh, Jermaine O'Neal didn't, didn't provide that space and gravity? J.O., I was a big J.O. guy. That, By the way, that's my favorite Heat team ever. The 2009-2010 team is my all-time favorite Heat team. I've never had more fun watching that team. Like basketball, just, it was it's weird. I can't explain it. I love that team. I love Quentin Richardson on that team. Darrell Wright, Jermaine O'Neal, pre-injury because he got hurt in that season and was never the same after. But he was good. He was like a double double for like long stretch of the season. Underrated Jo year. Yeah, he's he like I mean in, in the number of players who were going to be forgotten because they didn't win on on they weren't contributors on a great team or. They were only all stars a few years as long, but he's one of those guys who is legitimately good. And um, I, you know, I'm a nerd, and I've looked through this a million times. But he's a guy who actually got an MVP vote in Indiana. Um, like he, he pretty underrated 04? career, honestly. The 04 season was it? I think. I think so. Yeah. He was really good that year. Remember when he was um, almost a Laker? He was almost traded to the Lakers, and I think it was. I don't remember if it was prior to the Shaq, or I, I don't know when, I think it was the 08 season, he was almost a Laker, and that was almost like a done deal, and then he got he got sent elsewhere. Yeah, and you know what, he, had, he was a little bit ahead of the time, too. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say he was anywhere near as mobile as Bosch, and he probably didn't have the stroke that Aldridge has today, but, I mean, he had some inside-outside game. He wasn't just like a banger power forward. He was a little bit ahead there. Um, so, you came up, Heat fan, um... Soccer family was soccer. I came up, all my family, hockey, Canada, white. My dad played like semi-pro. My uncle refed in the NHL. It was hockey, 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 hockey. Uh, my mom actually flies to Dallas when I'm like grade four or five. So little kid, she brings me home a Cowboys hoodie and Dallas Mavericks t-shirt. And that's legitimately my only ties to the team. But when you're little, you put on that t-shirt and it's for life. It's just, it's just ride or die. It, it doesn't matter that you just missed the end of the Super Bowl run for the Cowboys. Um, and, and you know what? I'm lucky to have 2011, but man, 06, 06 hurt. And we were, we were joking beforehand. Um, and I, was, I got asked, you know, our producer for this podcast, Varun, um, asked me, like, do you actually think 06 was rigged? And I was like, I know that I sound like just an uneducated, bitter homer asshole every time i'm like yes but just i remember being 14 watching that series being so excited wearing that dirty stinky gray tee to school every day no wonder i didn't get a girlfriend to high school <laughs> and uh yeah man in my heart i still feel like it was ripped you know like, so i i'm obviously a he fan i love Dwayne wade to death and back i that is a really complicated series for me to like properly evaluate right so like you look at 
the numbers and Dwayne's free throw rate was absurd. He shot like 70, I'm looking at 75 free throws um, in the series, which is just like, yeah, that's astronomical. In six games, that, that's insane. 45 uh, sorry, and 5 and he 6. Made seven, he made 75, took 97, was almost 100. Uh, the highest Mav was uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki with 55. So Dwayne almost took twice as many free throws as Dirk. Part of that was obviously Dwayne's relentless pursuit of the rim, the Mavs double check. We all know that story. Dwayne was hyper-aggressive. Dwayne was also hitting his jumper that series. That mid-range shot was out. like It was just out of this world. Um Dirk really didn't have a great offensive like performance. He shot 39% from the field, 25% from three, right? So like that also hurt them late. Like they, they just didn't have the juice on offense uh, to really contend. And part of that was the free throws that allowed Miami to set their defense and all that stuff. So I think it was maybe a little finagling from the referees, also Dwayne's excellence, and then the probably bad coaching decision uh, from um, what was his name? Uh, Avery Johnson. Mets. Avery Johnson. Avery. Yeah. I was gonna call him Avery Bradley, and I was like, "That's wrong." <laughs> to double team Shaq. Yeah, and you know what? Like, Dirk wasn't good, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this on my own podcast, but like, Dirk wasn't particularly good in the 06 Finals. And if if people cared to hate Dirk half as much as they cared to hate like LeBron James or Paul Pierce, that probably get brought up more often. Uh, the free throw disparity was crazy. I mean, Wade getting 45 in the finals two games was just. It was just, it, it, it's the reaction that you see on Twitter every night. I wish it was more special than it was, but it's like every night when like the bloggers of the one team that's getting, you know, the worst side of the officiating, oh, look at the agenda, look at the agenda. But it, it felt really, really bad. And I mean, Jason Terry and Josh Howard were doing some crazy things. And uh, I mean, the Heat team did have a lot of veterans. Like it was a good team and Wade just took to the next level. But man, that one hurt. And then, oh, that team was that good. I got to be think- dead ass. No, I wasn't that good. I mean, they labored in the regular season. It's not – I mean, to be honest with you, it's not unlike this season except they had superstars back then. Like, they were like a four – like, they were a four seed that year. They did not have a good regular season. That team did not get along. Gary Payton did not get along with Dwayne Wade. Antoine Walker it was Antoine Walker. Just because he was under Pat Riley doesn't mean that he wasn't Antoine Walker. Uh, and, and we saw the warts the next season. I mean, they just had – an unbelievable run and the Easter conference was just not very strong. I mean, there was a withering Detroit Pistons team, even though they made oh. the finals the next year. Uh, they made the finals year prior, but like it, it was just, it wasn't a particularly strong Eastern conference and Miami just had the best player. Yeah. Like the East sucks. The East just sucks for very long time. The East just sucks since Bird left, to be I honest. I was thinking for- about how like Vince Carter, would Vince Carter be like the best player on like any of the top seeded teams in the East minus Indiana? At that time? Yeah, because like Vince Carter was like one, two, or three best player. Like, was he the second best player in the conference after Allen Iverson or Jason Kidd? Yeah, it's probably Kidd or Carter or Iverson. You know what and I mean? Then, so like, yeah. Vince Carter wouldn't be the – I mean, I don't even think he'd be the best player on this Raptors team. But it, it's crazy, too. Vince is the weirdest career because he was legitimately – and, like, people were going to roll their eyes. But legitimately, Vince Carter, 2001, was as good as any guard in the league. He, he was as good as Kobe. He was as good as Allen. He was as good as any guard in the league in 01. And then he just never, he never got reached another level higher than he did in the second and third season. And not to say he wasn't really good, he was for quite a few years after that. But he just never, he peaked so early, and, and it's pretty rare you see that without looking at some sort of like significant injury as the obvious reason why. You know, I'm looking at the numbers. Maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. He'd probably be the best player on the Raptors this year. But that was maybe a little premature. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, his numbers are ridiculous. Twenty, almost 28 a game. And like forty percent from three, as with nobody on the team. Like you talking Throw about like, like five and t- up a game in the two thousands. Way to go, Vince Carter. Yeah, with Oak and Antonio Davis and like yeah, man. Off the Vince, bounce too. I mean, he was yeah. shooting off the dribble like. Vince is underrated, man. Vince is underrated. His longevity kind of did that to him. Like he he was so you know hanging on for so long that people forget he was. You know, a certified badass early the on. The Vince I remember most is New Jersey Vince. I don't know why. Maybe because that's like I became like a, a fan of basketball like around 04. So, you know, everything else is backlogged. But New Jersey Vince is the Vince I always think of. And Dallas was, Vince for some reason. That winner against San Antonio that he hit in Dallas is still one of my favorite shots ever in basketball. Just because. Oh, it's incredible. And then the karma, the karma from missing an 01 from the same corner and then getting to hit the winner against San Antonio from the same corner. Who was. doesn't love Vince? Like, who, like, other than Raptor fans, who doesn't love Vince Carter? 
Even the the smart Raptors fans have come around on him. Like the smart, the the really bitter Wiener ones are they're holding on the hate, but like most of them, most of them come around. New Wade's Raptor Twitter is like probably my new favorite group of NBA people. Like new Raptor Twitter is so fun. They are amazing. They were so fun last year. This year they were great. They were uh, equal amounts petty and also really smart, <laughs> informed, funny. I love that group. They're great. It's interesting, like how much winning can blow life into a fan base too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, it is what it is. Like, not no Cleveland. shade. Sorry, what are you saying? Not Cleveland. Not like, not like oh, Cleveland yeah. Cav Twitter. Like, I don't even know what they're doing. They, I mean, even when they won, they were like, I didn't hear a peep from them. Well, I know what they're, I'll tell you what they're doing. Justin Rowan is yeah, uh, comparing Colin. Carter. Colin Sexton is getting compared to every guard who's ever scored 18.3 points a game forever, every day. <laughs> Justin will come on my podcast and start talking about Colin Sexton. I was like, please get that out of here. We're talking about good yeah. players. Who was who it? Devin Booker. He was just like, he, he was really riding Colin Sexton, Devin Booker the last couple weeks. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Justin's my guy and he knows I love him. Not Justin's the best um, but yeah, that you know what? On the 06E team, the one thing they did have, and yeah, they like they weren't great. I was looking at the numbers here as we're talking, but they kind of had that same recipe that the 2011 Mavs had, which again they weren't the one seed. They weren't a team that people thought was gonna you know run the table. But Walker knew that it was now or never. Williams, Posey, Haslam, Zoe, Peyton, like they knew it was now or never. And Shaq, I think, even had a little bit of that too. Like Shaq knew, you know, he wasn't gonna be amazing. He wasn't gonna be Superman forever. And I, th- I think there's something to that if you have a hungry team of veterans. Like, obviously, the key is still to have a superstar because you can't win the NBA without one. But if you have that hungry team that knows, like, this might be our last shot to really do this, I think that does go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that t- but like I said, like, th- that team, actually, I really like it in theory because it kind of blew up the idea of sportsmanship and that you have to like your teammates. Because, like I said, they just did not like each other. But, you know... Guys like So and, and, and Shaq and, and GP really held it together. So we fast forward. We'll, we'll, we might we, we might we might rewind 2011 later in this podcast. We fast forward to 2020 and uh, the year that nobody will ever forget, unfortunately. unfortunately. With, with with all the wonderful things going on and uh, interesting debates on television and um, NBA Finals, man. Um, aside from the obvious, which is just like everyone's hurt uh what what were the what were the glaring issues for miami you think in game one so when i was looking at the series to start and by the way this is the first so i didn't pick the heat to beat the bucks and i didn't pick the heat to beat the celtics right i picked bucks and six and celtics and six. Oh, okay uh, and i was wrong i was wrong both times very pleasantly right like i'm I, I like to feel like i'm i'm a bit of a realist about this team so then when looking at the matchup against the lakers i i picked the heat in six uh, because the th- one thing I saw from that matchup, looking at the film and looking at the personnel, was I felt that Miami would have the easiest time with their handoff offense. So a lot of Miami's offense, and by they are like a lot the most used handoff team in the league, followed by Denver and Atlanta for some reason. Um, they, the Lakers, did not appear to have players that could fight over screens as well as Milwaukee and Boston did. So. Against the Bucks, running any dribble handoff with Bam, Duncan, and Tyler, or, or Goran for that matter, was hell on wheels because Wesley Matthews and Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe were just destroyer of worlds going going over screens, right? They would fight over the screen, they'd attach to the guard's hip, and they would make that impossible for Duncan and Tyler and Goran. Then let's go to the let's go to the Boston series. Marcus Smart's really the only guy who can go over screens like really really effective. Jalen Brown gets lost a lot. Jason Tatum that's not really his skill set. Marcus is great at it. Uh, Kemba obviously we know his woes defensively. So Miami was able to get a lot more off of handoffs. Duncan had like shook free for a couple games. Duncan didn't really go off at all in the in the Bucks series, but against the Celtics he had a couple games. Uh, but still the Celtics are able to switch that right. They have Jalen Brown defending Bam. They can switch those handoff actions so they they could throw a guy, they could drop a guy, that they, they could send two at the ball. Sometimes they're sending three at the ball and kind of playing that passing lane. So they did a the Celtics did a really good job of kind of containing that that action. So when I looked at the Lakers, I was like, well, they don't have that kind of personnel. Like, it's going to be Alex Caruso and KCP and Rondo, right? Like, Rondo's a guy you kind of worry about who's a really good screen avoider. And KCP's not bad, but and Danny Green. But it was just nobody really scared me. And the thing that has surprised me most is Alex Caruso and KCP and Dan. Well, Danny Green actually didn't do very good at that last game looking at the film. But specifically, KCP and Alex Caruso really made Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson's life hell 
on those handoffs. And what they would do is they, 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 they would drop the big, so they're not switching. They're dropping AD or they're dropping Dwight Howard, who's ever defending Bam. And the guard stays attached to the hip. Duncan really did not get any clean looks off. I thought Duncan did a really good job of passing to short rolling Bam. Uh, but he has to be a little more aggressive going at AD in that situation because, you know, the, Bam's just kind of short rolling, kicking it out to Jay Crowder in the corner, kicking it out to another shooter, and, and it's kind of just ping pong offense. But that was the one thing that surprised me most is how effective the Lakers were at defending that action. It's interesting you say that. And, like, I, I had nowhere near the depth of knowledge on the handoffs that you just did, but I really felt like KCP was kind of like the x-factor guy for the lakers like obviously i i had lakers in six i thought they were the better team but i really felt like kcp needed to hit his threes and he needed to be effective coming off those screens and defending because miami's shooting has been just i mean at, at times incredible this year and you know danny green danny green and marcus smarter about as far as you could be apart for battling through a screen i'm not gonna <laughs> and danny was, let me tell you something man danny was bad they like they had danny originally defending that and i think duncan got duncan hit bam like rolling really hard for the first one and they, he was just he had so much space to make a clean pass that you know i think Jim, then jimmy cut baseline and bam just had a ton of space and ad was in no man's land uh danny was bad but once casey i mean kcp hit his first two threes and then didn't hit anything after that he was two for six for the game I thought Miami's game plan defensively was solid. I think everyone's going to look at all the shots the Lakers hit, and now AD and LeBron went off. But I think, for the most part, the plan is solid, and it's similar to what they did to Giannis. They're going to switch a ton. They're going to send help early. They're going to help send help purposefully. They are going to stress those passes to the corner and make them as hard as you can. And if you're going to hit Alex Caruso or Marquise Morris at the top of the key, and if they're going to hit a three, the Heat are going to be okay with that. They are going to help as much when LeBron when LeBron's getting that switch when LeBron's forcing the Duncan or the Tyler Hero switch Andre Iguodala is coming early he's coming off that shooter and he's a he's enough of a smart defender that he can kind of play that in between area when you have Bam coming to help and you have Jimmy coming to help they're sending those guys swarming and I thought it's the best strategy for them and if the Lakers don't hit all those threes in the first half I think it's a different game and if Bam doesn't pick up that second foul so I actually like their game plan offensively I, I, honestly, I think it's sound, and I think it's how you have to play them. And when you saw how the Lakers were shooting you know, early in the bubble, um, first round a little bit against Portland, it makes sense. But if, you, if you're going to get 40% shooting from three from the Lakers the rest of the series, I think yeah, you can. that just about cooks it. I mean, it, 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 what can you do? Uh, LeBron and Davis are going to do what they're going to do, and if everybody else hits at that clip, I mean, it, that was the most frustrating part, I think, if you're a Lakers fan, is just watching the help come early and often watch the kick it to a wide open Danny Green or Alex Cruz or whoever and just clink, clink, clink. Um, but the, so Bam is doubtful. Goron is day to day. And I know Bobby Marks was tweeting about how Joe Johnson um, had a similar affliction with the foot. Uh, what is it? Plantar fasciitis? Is that, am yeah, I saying that right? He tore his plantar fascia. So I, what what is your optimum optimism level with Dragic coming back and if he comes back is he a decoy is he coming off the bench now and I guess the, the question that goes hand in hand is like Kendrick Nunn after getting kind of just demoted and, and pushed out here what's your faith level in him if Dragic really can't go so a couple things so I think Bam has the next train right so he has two things right he hurt his shoulder in the Celtic series uh, he got into a little tussle with Jalen uh, with, uh, with Jason Tatum there was a bit of a pull and Bam's been kind of laboring. But he played an amazing game six, the best game he's ever played in his career. So you kind of think he's fine. He's not, he, by the way, he's not, a, I think they said this on the broadcast, not a fan of needles, so doesn't really take painkillers. So if it's just the shoulder, which he thought it was that night, he said he was going to go on Friday. Then they did the MRI this morning, they found the next train, which all of a sudden really, really complicates things. He's about, you know, he's, he's going to be up for a max extension really soon. He's Miami's future of, of the entire franchise. That they have a lot of hopes. They, they don't, in the organization, they don't think he has a ceiling. They legitimately think that he could be a top 10 guy in the sport, right? So they're going to be really careful with that. Goran, so I know Udonis Haslam, I think, came back two days later from a similar injury, right? Not everyone's UD. Uh, it, it also depends on the severity. Goran, especially in this playoff run slash bubble seeding games, the floater has been huge for him. I don't have the numbers up right now, but at some point during this playoff run, he was shooting around 50% or 48% on floaters, which is just incredibly huge. And if you have that in your bag, 
mean, Goran's a guy that can shoot off the dribble, who can get to the rim, is a really good finisher, really good at drawing fouls. He loves to do that Kyle Lowry thing where he beats his man off the dribble, and when the guy is trailing, he'll kind of stop, and he'll get the guy on his hip, so the guy can't foul, but he's right behind him, kind of pushing on his hip. The other guy comes up forward to help, and then he kind of slips those little passes or can shoot a little runner. So he's he's really crafty. He has a lot in his bag, and even if 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 Goran can play and not really jeopardize his career or his foot, because that's also another thing we don't want, we don't want a guy like him at his age to really hurt any kind of future contract or playing time he has left. I think even Goran at fifty percent, Goran at forty percent, is really really effective for them just because of what he brings as a veteran. Even if he's not quick, he has enough in his bag that he can contribute. Now the Heat were plus seventeen with Bam, Goran, and Jimmy in the game. So, like, they barely got to play with their three best players, and when they did, they were playing great. I'm not a big Kendrick Nunn guy. I've never been a Kendrick Nunn guy, aside from, you know, the reason why he's undrafted for the domestic violence stuff and everything. I'm just not a fan of his game. I think in the Buck series, there was a place for him because he does operate really well in that kind of middle area between the drop man and the screen. He's a, he's a decent pull-up shooter. He can get to the rim. He has an okay enough handle that if there's some space, he can make some stuff happen. I think he's a little better at that than Tyler Hero, who's just more of a three-point marksman, but he can kind of create off the dribble too, which has been like a new development in the bubble. So That feels new. That I, that he, oh, Hero creating his own shot like this feels new. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's new, and it's been one of the marvel. I mean, that added something to his sample. So like I, the comp I was giving before was kind of Lou Williams. Right, like he couldn't really get separation with his dribble, but I think he had a lot in his back. He could do the step back, he can shoot off the dribble, he can shoot start up, he can catch the ball in the move, he can take you know a couple dribbles to the rim. He's not you know what I mean, he's kinda like he had stuff in the back, so I was like, I think he can kinda be like a Lou Williams type scorer minus the free throws. Uh but what he's added with, with the finishing and the dribbles and the high off the glass, I mean that's something I did not account for, which is gonna really open up his game. Uh Kendrick Nunn, I think, is going to probably be the starter if Goran doesn't play. I think they're going to plug him into the starting lineup like they did before. Um, he plays well when he plays off of Bam and Jimmy. Uh, naturally, anybody is. I mean, he's a pretty decent spot-up shooter. Uh, he was very streaky. I think he ended like the season at like 35%, but he's a guy that's capable of hitting a, a, a good amount of big shots. He has all season. That's whatever i mean he's bad defensively but i don't think this is a series that that's going to hurt you as much because if he gets the lebron switch on them they're going to send the help regardless it's not like tyler's going to do much of a better job anyway and the lakers don't really have a point guard that's going to hurt you like the celtics did with kemba walker or eric bledsoe is just going to eat him off the dribble right so this is more of a series that you can play him and not worry about the defensive liability of being able to contain a ball handler but you know it is what it is you know yeah fair enough um I mean, a bunch of things come to mind, too, because of me, and I'm always Mr. Hypothetical. But before we get there, uh, Jimmy hasn't taken more than 20 shots in a playoff game yet. Um, and he's, he's shooting incredibly well, especially for him this postseason. You know, after a year where his jumper, I think, like, he was second worst in the league on Bad 15 attempts. Season. Yeah, it was, it, like, he, I mean, he literally lost. It was Westbrook-esque. And, you know, in the playoffs, he's been shooting very, very well. One of the things that's bothered me about the Heat's, Heat's climb here is just like he continues to get the credit for being the biggest name when I feel like Dragic has been amazing. Bam has, to me, been their best player. Hero's taken a leap. Uh, Duncan hasn't been as good as he was in the regular season. But again, like this is a good team effort. I'm just wondering, like, do you think we're going to see Jimmy Butler get some modern superstar usage the next few games? Like, Is he going to take 25 shots and go try to win them one? So I do want to touch on something very quickly what you said about Duncan because I've seen this a lot. Duncan's not putting up the numbers he did in the regular season, but what Duncan's doing is teams are so scared of him. And the Celtics were putting three on the ball when he would come off a handoff, right? So if Marcus Smart is occupying Duncan Robinson because they're so scared of him, that means Goran Dragic has Kemba Walker. Yeah, fair enough. And the games that they decided that they were going to put Marcus Smart on, on Goran Dragic, look at Bam's performances those games. It's four to five to six threes. So there's a correlation there. And the fact that he is so respected that he is occupying one of the other players' best defenders. I mean, Chris Middleton was defending him for a lot of the series. That was what allowed Jimmy Butler to go one-on-one with George Hill, which kind of created a lot of their offense late game. So, you know, he's 
100% a great decoy. Teams are very scared of him. And I just I wanted to get that in because I've seen that a lot. In terms of the Jimmy usage, it's not really who he is. And I'm actually curious about what you're saying as well because he's just not been that takeover guy the whole game. I thought this was the most aggressive start I've seen him in the whole playoffs. He came out that first half. What did he have, like 17 points, right? Really came out of the box. Scoring the ball, three-level score, you know, shooting threes, getting to the free throw line, getting into the rim. The Heat run the set that they haven't run against Lakers yet, which I'm really, really excited to see if they start doing that. Like, they'll they'll run, like, some pistol action and try to get him in between the, the free throw line and the restricted area. And they love doing that because he's so good in that area. He can draw fouls. He's a really smart passer. So I kind of look that they're going to run more offense like that through him, especially if Goran's going to be limited. But it's just so against his nature to be that takeover guy. But I think they're at a point that they just they're gonna have to play Jimmy forty minutes a night. Jimmy's it, it listen, this is nut cutting time. Like they don't have the bodies, they don't have the they, they can't play Derek Jones Jr. and Andre Iguodala big minutes. You know, they can't play these guys that are non shooters, they can't play these centerless lineups, right? Like it, it's Jimmy Butler forty minutes. You're gonna have to defend LeBron and produce on offense, and that may be an unreasonable thing, and it might be why they lose, but it's what they're gonna need from him. Well, and I almost, I almost feel like if they lose Drogic and Bam for, let's say, game two, they almost need a one-two game with Hero and Butler because I'm looking at this roster and there's not, there's no other actions to run. I mean, you run Duncan off the screens, you keep him involved, but like, you don't want Andre Iguodala running your offense. Everyone else you have on the floor, you don't even really want touching the basketball. So either like Kendrick Nunn fill space. I really do feel like Jimmy and Tyler are going to have to do an awful <laughs> awful lot of creation, which neither of them really wants to do. And I, Butler's a guy who I've long thought kind of felt like if Pippen had his own team kind of vibe. Yeah. And now, I mean, you're here. You're here. So I, I just, I, I know it's not his nature, but I, I would love to see him. And again, you said he did. He did come out punching. But then, you know, I mean, it got away from them. But at the end of the day, like, it would be nice to see him go – take 25 26 shots and, and just try to take one over because i think the heat aren't going to have a lot of options so it got i mean it got away from them when bam picked up that second foul i mean the heat have been awful this postseason without bam on the floor i don't have the numbers in front of me but it was something like minus 18 per 100 possessions when he sits right you know in the celtic series that's what it was i don't know overall it's not good i mean he bam is 100 you're right he's the best player he is their engine Jimmy is more of kind of the name and, the, you know, the, the wings always get the credit in this league, right? The wings and the guards are what's are there that's sexy and there will get the name. So I, I said earlier on Twitter that if the Heat, you know, if Bam doesn't, let's say Bam and Goran don't play game two. And let's say you're trying to get Bam, at least Bam ready for game three. If you play game two, the strategy is going to have to be the Jimmy is initiating a high pick and roll a ton. You're having Kelly Olynyk do handoffs with Duncan and these guys, and you're going to have to fling up 53s, and you're going to have to hope you make a ton, and that's how you can steal a game. I think that you can defensively do enough. I don't believe in this Laker offense. I know that they're half... Listen, you could throw out all the points per possessions on their half-court <laughs> offense this year, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I, there's nothing that you can tell me that's going to make me believe in Alex Caruso. I'm sorry. Alex Caruso can be holding up the trophy, and I'm still not going to say, like, no, that guy is a piece that fits. LeBron and AD are great. LeBron and AD are generational talents that we may never see again. <laughs> was it, was it Dave McMenamin or who was it who had the stat that was like his LeBron's greatest net rating with any teammate ever is him, him and Caruso? And just, I just, I mean, it kills me. And and I, I um, he is he's had value in the playoffs. He really has. But just the uh, man. <laughs> like whatever. Like he is. Listen, he is who he is. We make fun of the way the media covers him. Whatever. But like. That that guy's that guy's not gonna beat you. And if you're committed to this, you know what I mean. Like if you're committed to your help early, to your stuff, I just don't believe in that Laker half court offense. If those guys aren't hitting shots, I mean, are you are you are you saying a small white guard couldn't dismantle a Miami team in the finals? No. <laughs> is, is that is that where you're heading? Uh. We need to listen. The Heat need a JJ Barea. That's what yeah. we need. We need yeah, a guy. We need a guy that LeBron's going to be a Boris Diaw or JJ Barea. The only people that scare him is Jay Crowder. Yeah. Doesn't scare him. It's true. It's true. Jay Crowder. I mean, Jay Crowder getting in his face, trying trying to do some things yesterday was was interesting. But I, I mean, it hasn't it worked cute. at any point. It was yeah. cute. It was Jay Crowder. Um, I, it was cute. I respect it though. I do look. I did look it up. Bam. The Heat are eleven point three. 
better with Bam on than off with the net rating over the playoffs, which I mean is is man, it's substantial. And I you know I, I threw out earlier in the season, I think it was around Christmas, one of my like many like fake trades that make people not happy on the timeline. And I threw out the idea of like Bam a first, I think it was Myers Leonard or somebody like that to make the money work. But it was essentially Bam and a first for Embiid. No. And Philly fans were like so upset, like just up in arms. And then there was like some Miami fans who were upset and some who were like, yes. But I feel like at the end of this year, there's no way. Like Philly calls Miami, gets uh, gets Riley on the phone. Riley is not trading Bam for Embiid straight up. Am I right in that? No way. And I'll tell you this. My, listen, we as Heat fans have the biggest beef with Sixers fans and Sixers Twitter and the process. Just the the precious process, right? Like Miami is the antithesis to everything that they did in Philadelphia. The Heat never, for better or for worse, they never tried to lose on purpose. They, they always, even if they're going to be the ninth seed, they're going to freaking try, right? They're going to do everything they can. They're going to go 30-11, and 11 and they're not going to blow up the team at the deadline even when Deion Waiters and James Johnson had value, right? They're just not. They're going to they're gonna always try to win. They're always going to try to make the playoffs, and they don't care if they're an eight seed. They want to. They're going to give the one seed everything they have it more. That's just the nature of this franchise, and that's what that's what Heat culture is. That's the propagation of Heat culture. That's what the fans have, have consumed, have, have loved, and, and that's the marketing, and that's everything we know, right? So... Compare that to the Sixers where Sam Hinkie was losing on purpose for half a decade, right? And it's so validating for Heat fans to watch Sixers Twitters like explode when the Heat beat the Celtics when I saw some Sixers fans saying Ben Simmons is not as good as Bam. Like, it's just great. The Heat didn't tank for that guy. You guys tanked for half a decade and you ended up with two stars that don't like each other and don't fit. And he'd have a happy superstar that's on his rise that was the best player on a finals team. Yeah, I mean, uh, the irony is sweet. And I, I was pretty anti-tanking, anti-process, anti-Sixers. Mavs fans feel similar. Mavs fans also don't want to be in the draft. We're two pieces of... Listen, we, don't, we may yeah. not like to admit it, but our franchises are more similar <laughs> than we think. They, they are. They are. They are in a lot of ways. Um... We're going to come back. We're going to do a little outlook at the end of the series. Maybe talk a couple more hypotheticals. What is uh, Miami looking to do in the offseason the next couple of years? But before we do that, uh, a word from our good friends. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you are craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be let safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your zero, your and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at, the game, at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all in word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, man. So, Bam's here, leader of a finals team, hopefully healthy. Hopefully we're going to see him. What You had Heat in six, adjusting to the injuries and what happened in game one. Where are you at now? I mean, you, I ha- you have to. You know, you have to pivot, right? Like, I, I can't I can't sit here and be sane and lie to the public and lie to the good people <laughs> and say that I'm going to – I'm not – listen. So, you know, we had Dave Dufour, a friend of the show, Dave Dufour, on the podcast from The Athletic. And Dave said before the Sixer, the, the Celtic Heat series, he said Heat – he goes Celtics in four, maybe five, right? So Dave went the other way strong. And, Dave, listen, I respect Dave for holding on to his pick even as things went sideways for him. <laughs> I'm, I am not gonna do that. <laughs> I, am, I don't have the guts like Dave Dufour. I don't. I don't. Have, listen, I'm not Dave. Dave is a lot stronger than I am. Um, honestly, like, let's be real. I I I want to propagate as much heat stuff as possible. But 
enough the heat if the heat take a game or two that's a huge win for the franchise that's also loser talk and i hate saying that this, this is a franchise about banners confetti and gold plating uh this is not a franchise that says we're happy to get a game or two right that's you know that's what the that's what the nets say right that's what the trailblazers say it's not what the Miami heat say right so i hate to say that but it's also kind of their reality given their injury if the heat can win game two let's say they steal it let's say they hit 33s right they just have an abnormal shooting performance that they just fling 53s and they make a ton and the lakers just have a cold shooting night and they steal game two uh and then all of a sudden bam and goran maybe can go for game three now we're talking now we're back in business you know what i mean um, yeah. But for them to come down from an 0-2 hole, if they don't get that game two, if they don't, they don't make a miracle happen in game two, it's going to be pretty rough because you're going to have to play mistake-free basketball, right? Like we saw the Raptors go down against the Bucks uh, last last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. They went down 0-2, um, and they came back to win the series. They won the next four games. But the Raptors had a superstar, Kawhi Leonard, arguably the best player in the league, especially with his play at that point. The Heat don't have that, right? They're not gonna have. They're not gonna have the bodies. They're not gonna have the talent, and they're not gonna have the margin for error. They're not gonna be able to afford a cold shooting night from Duncan or like a game like that. So, it's tough, man. It's looking like Lakers in five. You know, maybe Lakers in four, five, or six. I know that's a really weak prediction, but <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I feel like I feel like Lakers in four is is very much on the table now with the injuries, and. You know, uh, the loser talk does suck, and I feel the same way. And it, there's there's nothing crappier than sitting in the series and feeling like, oh, man, this is already over. And we, we've had enough of that with the KD Curry Warriors for a couple years here. But, like, in a lot of ways, LeBron felt due to be the team that was, like, the more dominant final team. No! Why? <laughs> Why? That was his decision. I'm not because it went the other way for him, man. Fucking Cleveland. That was his decision. I'm sorry. I'm not. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse here or not. He went to Cleveland. That was his PR motivated decision. I don't. I'm not even talking Cleveland though. The 2014 Heat were gassed. They 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 were gassed. They were underwhelming. San Antonio came back with it. That happens. They were going to retool. They were tired. That that was an unprecedented run. I don't feel bad for him at all. I don't feel bad for that Heat team for losing the way they did to the Spurs. (laughs) That's just life. I don't feel bad. I mean, he wanted to play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. Not me. I didn't say that. I said, (laughs) stay here and let's try to get Kyle Lowry and let's try to get stars into a city that players want to go. Not Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. What has Kyrie Irving ever done? Is Kyrie Irving even better than Kyle Lowry? Are we sure that Kyrie Irving's better than Kyle Lowry? I, I'm pretty sure know. Kyrie Irving isn't better than Kyle I, Lowry. I'm, and now, listen, I don't you know. know. Now Justin Rowan's really upset, but like, <laughs> man. We're giving now, Justin too that, much clout today. We got to stop. Yeah, we. <laughs> that's, that, that's the thing with like. I, and I guess I was going to go here anyway eventually, but like, is the hate for Miami and LeBron. Like how how does the market feel about LeBron? Like are they over it? Is the Riley LeBron feud really worth the airtime it's gotten this week? It, how how you know sincere it is? is it? You know, so the fan base I think largely likes him. I, it's it's kind of like you break up with the next, and it's it's really bad, right? So you have this really nasty breakup. You feel hurt. You feel betrayed. After a while, you're not best friends. But you can be in the same room together. You can be cordial. If you have the same group of friends, you can be at the same party. You can even share a laugh. You might even post a picture of each other in your story on Instagram. But you're not like, you know what I mean? You're not like close anymore. But, you know, you'll, you'll keep it up. You'll save face. You don't hate them. Um, and it's kind of like that. The thing with the Lakers is that that was that's not a well-run organization in the last 10 years. They've had awful player development. And I think that's what bothers Heat fans a lot. You know, for a team, for a franchise that really tries, and even if they make mistakes, pull themselves out of it. You know, through kind of smart cap maneuvering, smart trades, good asset management, good player development. You know, he fans look at particularly the Lakers, right? LeBron gets sent to a bad situation. That team was bad. They didn't make the playoffs last year, and even if he had played the rest of the season, that team wasn't going to make the playoffs. They were not very good. That team was an awful defensive unit. That team did not have enough shooting on offense and weren't this group of guys, right? So he goes to this this franchise that every player that left there has gotten better. Look at Brandon Ingram when he was there versus when he left. Look at Zubak when he was there versus when he left. Like, guys get better when they leave the Lakers. It's not coincidence, right? Their, their player development's not good. And they had bad cap management, bad asset management. The signings were KCP and Rondo, right, that I guess have kind of produced for them, but, like, 
Palenka's not some light years ahead genius, right? No. That dude just was throwing stuff at the wall and some stuff stuck, right? Like, he's lucky that Anthony Davis wants to be there. He's lucky that L.A. has nice weather, right? Like, you, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. Like, Jabari and I were ready to kill each other when the AD trade went down. And I was like, this, all this is is Lakers' privilege. Like, no other team could get her away with being the dumpster fire you've been for the last five, six years and get to put two stars like this together. No one else heat. could do that. Yeah, you know no one could like, do that. Not even the Heat can do that. And, and like, this is like a the, the Heat and the Spurs are like well run franchises. Like, they can't do that. The Lakers. Laker but, and again, it's like the world's unfair. And even Jabari would say now, like, it is what it is, but I'll take the win. And, like, he's even covered. Like, yeah, it is. It's not that, like, they're the smartest or they're the, you know, the most charismatic or the best planned or the most celebrated. It's just the fact that they're the bigger market. They're they're the Lakers. They have the history. And, and I mean, I, I can't blame him. If I was a Lakers fan, I'd probably lean into it, too. If their but... uniforms weren't as nice, this wouldn't be a thing. If they didn't have the purple and gold, if they had, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, gray and orange... This what you know what I mean? Like I don't know this. Hey man, the the oh five oh six Suns that gray orange jersey they, they had, had the was Phoenix nice. Suns jerseys. LeBron's not lining up to play in an orange purple. That Reebok Swingman was I'm was sorry, a nice fit. They're just not, dude. <laughs> you know what? I, here's the thing: the Heat are probably going to lose this series. Okay, I've got the spot rack multi year salary cap coming up, and Dallas, uh, Miami, Toronto, L.A. Um, a couple other teams, but I think those are the main guys. Have all been in the Giannis free agency contender conversation for 2021. You've got some money coming off the books, right? Where are the Heat now that they've had this run? With are they wanting to bring bring back Goran Dragic? Are they wanting to bring back Jay Crowder? Are they maintaining flexibility? Victor Oladipo's name has been thrown out there. Where do you think this team is looking? You know, following the finals. So we know Heat Twitter, and they'll Photoshop any available star. Any if you've made an All Star slash M, an All NBA team, you're photoshopped in a Heat jersey. That's just guaranteed. You can check it. It's just it's just it's it's law. It's like gravity, right? Heat Twitter will make it so. They're they're prepped for 2021. They've lined everything up. Unlike the Lakers, the Heat have very meticulously planned for this. They have options in 2021. Um, not just Giannis, but Kawhi. Um, you know, Paul George, I don't know if they want Paul George, but, you know, Giannis and, and Kawhi are going to be two guys at the top of the lift. And if the Clippers come out empty again, you know, I don't know who's, who's to say that he won't leave. So in this offseason, I think that the priority is going to be keeping Jay and Goron on deals that will expire in 2021, making give them a ballooned payday. The Heat are also going to have some trade ammunition. That Andre Gudala contract is a team option. It is a big expiring contract. They're going to have Kelly Olinick at like $12 million, which is a nice mid-size level contract. It also expires in 2021. Uh, they're going to have some picks, and they're going to have Kendrick Nunn, uh, who is a nice young player that if a team needs a young guard, uh, they might want to take a flyer on him because he's been productive, and he's a good shooter, and he could do some stuff. So Miami's going to have some ammo in the offseason if a guy like Bradley Beal becomes available if a guy that's really good that they want becomes available they're gonna have the means to get in those conversations if a player wants to be here i think they are gonna try to just resign a couple of their guys maybe get they have really bad issues with point guard defense maybe they try to shore that up with a small like take a flyer on a guy but i'm pretty sure they're gonna try to stay as pat as they can yeah and then you know what <laughs> I feel like, and I'm just saying this now, but it's, it's been floating in my brain this whole postseason. I feel like Giannis is the Heat-Mavs tiebreaker. Heat got 06, Mavs got 11, and whoever gets Giannis wins, wins the series. Do you series. guys think you're like really in the game for Giannis? Why? Why would Giannis I, I, want to go I, to Dallas? I really think Giannis is coming is interested in coming to play with Luka and Porzingis. Why would and he, I, th- why would I think it, the Mavs are going to make it happen. I mean, I to be honest with you, I would probably put Toronto as the favorite. I think the Maasai thing matters. That's an organization that's good, that's winning. They're going to have like stars. Like, I mean, listen, we give Siakam a lot of stuff, right? This off season, uh, he, de- he de- and he deserves some stuff. He's, right? he's going to de- deserve it. I mean, he needs to yeah. he needs to develop the left hand and you know some stuff, but. The guy's a good basketball player. The guy won a really title. good player. The the guy was arguably the the third best player on the title team, who performed big in the finals. 
uh, who performed big in, in big moments for them. So, like, that's, you know, obviously he's a guy that is proven maybe as a number one guy. You know, he left a lot on the table. Um, but the Raptors with Masai, if they're going to be able to keep Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet, Kyle's going to stay at this level. I mean, Kyle is arguably the best point guard in the East. I, I mean, I think Kemba Walker didn't show me anything this playoffs that he's better than Kyle no. Lowry. Yeah. Uh, and we've already talked about Kyrie Irving. I mean, that's arguable. Kyrie's obviously like a magician on the offensive end, but I mean, what Kyle does on both ends of the floor is just so valuable. All defensive candidate, you know, every year. I think Smart is entering that top five card in the East conversation. Uh, Marcus Smart, listen. Yeah. Maybe if the shooting is real. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, I, I, he needs he needs more off the dribble, and he's not the best decision maker. If you if you promised me Marcus Smart could shoot thirty seven and a half percent from three with regularity, um, going forward, at the way that he played at times in the playoffs, and and what he's able to do defensively, I think that outweighs the Kemba Kyrie have to hide them liability, and if they're not scoring, they're not adding. Uh, no, see, but dynamic. Kyle's not like that. Because if you watch that Philly series last year, no, 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 Ky- Kyrie and, and oh, Kyrie, yeah, I know. Because yeah, yeah. like Kyle, you know, Kyle's yeah, yeah. probably a top five IQ guy in the league. Like I, I mean, but that, the, that's it though. It's like people were trying to compare Smart and, and Lowry, and the difference is offensive IQ. Because the hustles there, the shooting for Lowry has been just as spotty the last two years as it's been for Smart, but. Lowry just plays a smarter brand of yeah, offensive but see, basketball. You know, uh, you, we say that, but Ky- Kyle's volume is a lot higher, and Kyle can shoot in more ways. So Kyle can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off the catch. He can shoot off hand-ups. He can shoot off spot-ups. I think Marcus Smart you trust in a spot-up situation. Kyle is taking a lot more difficult shots. If Kyle had Marcus Smart shot diet that is hand-fed to him by Jason Tatum, I think it would be a little different. I think that Possibly. Might- Possibly, but I mean, like last year, he had Kawhi, and you know there was still some well, pretty Kawhi's big up and down shooting games. Playmaker, right? Like Kyle is the playmaker, but right? Like the he, offense. He, he's not a playmaker, but he drew an awful lot of attention, like that that the Raptors have never really had before. Like Lowry didn't have the spacing any other year that he had last year with Kawhi. Like they're triggering sets up top, right? Like Gasol is at the elbow and they were like, you know, like late into the season. They, they, that's how they, and Ibaka too. They, Ibaka play a lot of elbow kind of offense. They trigger sets from there with Lowry and them and then Kawhi kind of plays off of that. Uh, so, I mean, I, 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 to an extent I agree with you, but I think it's a little different when like a guy like Tatum has taken like a leap, capital L, with, as a playmaker. Yes. Uh, and Kemba Walker is obviously, I mean, this, we don't have to question Kemba Walker's playmaking ability. No, and here's the thing too with the on the honest talk. I think the fact that Siakam and OG are really cut to be a four five, and then you add Giannis in there. I I also don't know like Milwaukee. Giannis feels like he doesn't want to leave Milwaukee on bad terms, and if it's a sign and trade situation, I think Dallas is 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 willing to send Porzingis. What are, what are Miami and Toronto willing to send? Are well, they I, mean, like, to... I don't think Miami has as much to send as, um, as as Toronto. But I mean, if if that's what I'm saying, like if if he wants to, I, I don't think the I don't think the Bucks are going to trade him, right? I mean, uh, not not next season, right? So no, I, I don't think season, they will or they should. If but... Giannis wants to, if Giannis wants to be with Masai, and if Giannis believes in what Masai is selling, like. I, it's interesting that you mentioned the Mavs because I had never really considered the Mavs being kind of part of that. I mean, maybe the Luka thing is is legit, but I know the the importance of Giannis and and kind of what Masai is doing with with, with Africa and all the philanthropy there and, and Siakam as well. And uh, if Ibaka is still there, I think that'll matter as well. I know he and Ibaka have a good relationship. Bam and Giannis have a really really good relationship. They practice in the off season. And they're boys. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I mean, everybody's going to be in. Listen, everyone's going to be involved in the Giannis sweepstakes. We don't know. I would probably put Toronto as a front runner. Although Miami's free agency pitch, even if they lose, it's pretty fucking nice. I'm, I'm pretty like I'm, I'm legitimately scared about it, but I really feel like he's going to look at Toronto. Lowry's going to be 36 years old. I just don't think. I don't think it's happening, man. And I think I think Siakam and OG. And him are three guys that don't make a ton of sense offensively. And then I think he sees Luca. I think he sees he, he maybe one more year of just getting ripped apart um, on the timeline. And he's like, you know what? For all the shit that KD took, him and Curry got two rings and it looked like fun to win those championships. He's going to look around. Oh, look. Look at how young Luca is. Look at how dope he is. 
I, I really think Dallas and Miami are, are 1A and 1B. And I might be wrong on that, but I, I think that's how it's going to shake out a year from now. And listen, if Milwaukee wins next season, this is all moot. Is it, though? I think because we, 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 we just watched the finals MVP bounce. But Kawhi, and Kawhi, listen, Kawhi, is, Kawhi is a different animal. I think he is. I think Giannis would want to defend a title. Uh, I think that's going to be important to him. I think that he wants to win. I think he's happy where he is. Again, I'm, I'm not like connected there, but just you know, from the outside looking in, sure, he looks. Other than the losing, he looks content. Um, he's mentioned he doesn't want to live in a giant market in the past. I don't know how true that's is two years later, but you know. If they he, win, I think that he'll be happy. And I think they have enough to win. I think that he, they ran. I, I do too. I think they had enough to win this year, and they didn't. If Miami you know, lives like, on another side of a bracket, they're probably the champion this year. I think that they probably can beat Toronto. And maybe. For I, sure I would they can not, beat the Celtics. I mean, that was a nightmare matchup for Boston. I picked Miami over Milwaukee. I would have picked Boston over Milwaukee. I probably would have picked Milwaukee over Toronto. But, man, I just, I just I, you know what? Like, I don't know. And I, there was nothing from Giannis. The first six of his years of his career that gave me any indication, despite all of the rumors that he wanted out, I, like he said all of the right things. He, you know, what I mean, there was he, he gave no reason for pause. And in the three weeks since, um, they've been eliminated. Uh, you know, he's let out a few quotes here where I'm like, that that looks like the framework playbook that we've seen before. And I I don't, I don't know, like I Kawhi is definitely a different cat, but I think there's something to the fact that like. He feels like he owes Milwaukee something. He doesn't want to, you know, abandon the market. And if you win, you kind of fulfilled that obligation. And if he wants to go somewhere else, I, I don't think – I think he knows he could leave without people slandering him too. But there's something to that. I feel like we don't – I don't – like we don't know Giannis the way we've known other guys. Like he's not as visible a superstar as LeBron is. And like Kawhi, I mean the writing has, was just – it was telegraphed, right? It was on the wall and – yeah, that's true. It's but we, I mean, I, I still don't think we know. We don't really know Kawhi. I feel like no, we, we don't. Or maybe we do. Maybe he's literally just this. Call <laughs> me a meat and potatoes, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. When did you in in twenty fourteen? When did did you know in advance? Did you have a feeling Bron was gone? No. So I actually have a funny story about that. So we've been doing Miami Heat beat since twenty thirteen. Since the. Uh, that's a good run, man. This is the second championship. Yeah, we're proud. We're going strong. It's nice to cover a winning team again. Um, yeah. So we started in 2013. Actually, first show ever was the day after the LeBron buzzer beater against Indiana in game one. So that was fun. That's how I always remember. Um, and we were launching MiamiHeatBeat.com, which is our website where we were posting articles and everything. So I was writing about the Heat offense, you know, looking with um, – because they had just signed Josh McRoberts and everything. So I was kind of writing a piece on how that was going to fit right with lebron and everything because we were so sure he was coming and if you remember i don't know how other nba fans experiences but there was like a careening back and forth on the tracking of not only website hexagon colors you remember that like there was somebody who had like had information on lebronjames.com that the color hex code was like cleveland Cavs colors do you remember that I don't remember that, man. That was man. crazy. We were tracking planes. Do you remember the plane tracking? I do remember the plane tracking. We were tracking Dan Gilbert's plane, and then Dwayne Wade and LeBron flew back together, and we were like, oh, D-Wade's in the plane. We got this. And then they land in Miami, and there's like this Casablanca hug. And we're like, oh, is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. That looked like a breakup. Guys, is this <laughs> a breakup to you? Ooh, that makes me nervous. And I don't know. We, we were careening back and forth. Oh, and then the cars and George Sedano of ESPN reported that LeBron was moving his cars. Sedano, reputable journalist and media person, was driving in Coconut Grove here in Miami, watching them tow away LeBron's cars. What a time. Oof, felt so alive. And I was exhausted and nauseated by the careening of news and feelings. It was like every day, one thing was pro-Cavs, one thing was pro-Heat. One day, LeBron and Dan Gilbert are for some reason meeting at the Rusty Pelican, which is like an expensive, not good restaurant in Key Biscayne here in Miami. And then the next day, we're tracking planes, and then Deep Wade, and then the hexagon colors. And then there was some cupcake thing that there was like these cupcakes that LeBron's company ordered that were also Cleveland Cavs colored. We were crazed, Josh. We were insane. Um, it it was a wild time, man. It it, re- it really was, and and letting Lee Jenkins write that letter too was was next level. Was I put something. my phone away? I was writing for the website. I was getting ready to launch. We were gonna launch like the next day, 
and I put away my phone, I put away Twitter, and I get a text from a friend of mine, Alex Solana, who produces here locally radio, and he's on Miami Heat Beat now. And he's like, bro, I cannot believe this just happened. And I go, what just happened? He goes, bro, go, go, go to SI. And I see the Lee Jenkins letter, and I was like, man, I got to rewrite that article now. Like, <laughs> I had worked a lot. I had, like, three LeBron stories on the website ready for launch. So. What, what, at what point, when was the moment you went from, like, fuck LeBron to, like, I can appreciate that he left and we wouldn't have won two more without him. And, like, I'm good. When when you get when did you get to, like, the I XP in the room mode? It was never fuck LeBron. I, oh, really? Okay. I was hashtag team be grateful. Not, Heat fans did not like me for that. Um, nah, bro, that guy. You were, in the, you were in the minority, man. And and I could, I get it, but I didn't get it. I was, like, four finals and two titles is, is I didn't dream. understand it. I, I didn't. I didn't get why he would want to do that. Like, to me, it, it didn't make sense. Like, why would you want to go to Cleveland and play with Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving? Like, you know, they were going to retool for you here. You know, if, if they and the news came out that, like, if LeBron had given a commitment, they could have gotten Pau Gasol and other guys and Kyle Lowry. So it, it was kind of like wishy-washy in the news about how he treated Pat Riley in the meeting. But... You know, for me, I love the city. I grew up here, kind of going back to what we talked about before. I mean, like, you know, I'll always, Josh, I'll always think of this anecdote. And it's hard if you don't understand the makeup of Miami. But, you know, a lot of people here came to this country not knowing English in my community. I can go to my grocery store and four to five people won't speak English, right? This is just our wonderful immigrant community. And I, went to my sister's graduation the night of game seven of heat pacers and the first thing said at that commencement speech was not congratulations to our graduates it was not welcome parents and family it was we are going to finish the ceremony as fast as we can so that you can all watch the basketball game (laughs) and the entire place cheered there were old ladies abuelitas next to me grandmothers of kids that did not speak english that came to this country probably two three years ago that had no idea what was going on that team captured this city this city that doesn't care about anything this city that is as vapid and you know plastic as anything in the world this city had a genuine love and affection for that basketball team that it's only possible because of lebron i could never get mad at him for what he gave us and even if he left and i didn't understand it i'm like man i'm so grateful for those four years because it was there's going to be nothing ever like that in the history of our sports nothing the city is never going to be that way the team's in the finals right now and i'm sure a lot of people don't even know but everybody <laughs> knew when Game Seven of Heat and Paul George was. You know what? I, I I'm glad that you're one of the fan shepherds for the Heat because like that that is that is how it should be viewed, man. Like I, I as someone outside of it, I, I very much feel like everything you just encapsulated on, on how you look at that time is, I think, how that time should be looked at. And uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask you too if like obviously Wade's your guy. Who's your second favorite Heat player ever? My second. Maybe Chris Bosh, maybe Udonis Haslam, uh, for the for the OG status. Um, it's probably one of those two. I, I mean, we love Chris Bosh. Um, it's probably it's probably CB or Udonis. Those two just two guys I love. Um, I also really oddly love Quentin Richardson, even though he played one year here. That's okay. Sometimes, man, you you just get like a little gift. You just, you just affectionate get for cute. Yeah, you just you just. Find your spot. That was OJ Mayo for Dallas. Oh, oh listen. <laughs> Mario Chalmers is another guy. Shane Battier. But, man, Chris Bosh is as introspective, as honest, as vulnerable as a superstar has ever been in this market. Probably even more so than Dwayne in a lot of times. And I think we appreciate that, how much he loves the city. He still lives here. Um, even though it, it got kind of nasty at the end between him and the Heat. I mean, the, the fact that he was able to mend the fences with Bradley and the organization. What he gave them, I mean, it, he's kind of like a super heat culture guy too. I mean, game seven against the Spurs, they asked him, Chris, you're going to have to fall on the grenade for us. You're going to have to do everything on the floor. And he didn't score a single point in game seven. And it didn't matter because he did everything he had to do to win. Blocked by Bosch is an eternal thing. Rebound by Bosch, blocked by Bosch is eternal in this city. Yeah, fair enough. I, I love CB too. And Tor- Toronto was, I feel like Toronto was worse to Bosch than Toronto was to Carter, man. They just like they wanted him. They wanted the world from him, and they gave him. TJ Toronto's Ford. nicer to Demar Derozan, who doesn't deserve anything. Yeah, yeah, and like DeRoz- Derozan, the human, 
great dude. DeRozan, the basketball player, so incredibly flawed, but points per game. as hell. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, the, oh, don't even get me started in the Discord. I had guys in my men's league who were mad that they traded for Kawhi. Like, no. super mad. Super mad, man. That was the vibe because, like, they loved DeMar that much, and they were, like, they averaged, like, the same amount of points. Like, why would they take that risk? And I'm just like, oh, my God. Man. So you're you're in Calgary, right? Yeah, I'm in Calgary, yeah. They, they ride with the Raptors. When I was in Vancouver, I was surprised at the Raptors because I, I know that people don't like Toronto. Right, like they're no. not. No one likes Toronto. Toronto. Is like not very popular amongst other Canadians. You know what it is though. It was um, a lot of the guys I play men's league with are from out east, so they got the ties. But also, we the North really did. It was like the first time the Raptors gave a shit about Canada, and and we're like, hey, we have a whole country that we could theoretically draw from as a fan base. And it was like the first that marketing campaign was really good because you saw so much of that merch. And I think it was the first time Canadians were like, oh, yeah, like, they're our team, too. And uh, it, it definitely picked up in winning. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say, like, the in Calgary, it's like 50-50 Raptors fans and Lakers fans. Man, I Kyle Lowry is my favorite basketball player um, right now. He's probably oh, really? Best, yeah. He's probably my second favorite basketball player all time after Dwayne Wade. So watching that run, like, I'm, I was, I'm embedded in Raptors Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I love... That, that's why I was talking about him earlier. Like I, I love Kyle Lowry. I love watching him play. He's, he's. You're just like, you're, you're a tiny bit closet Raptors fan. Tiny no, bit. I'm not a closet Raptors fan. I was, I was. The people turned on Miami Heat because we were doing Raptor shows in the final. Uh, <laughs> like, listen, people got mad at me. I was very pro Raptors. Um, so I mean, just like I, I loved seeing everybody get behind that dude. I mean, what I love that guy, and I'm just glad he was successful. And like, I love his game. I love how he approaches it. So. I'm, I'm glad to hear that other people outside of Toronto were, were in it. Kyrie yeah, is great, man. man. I'll tell you something. I went in that airport. I was connecting for, from uh, from Vancouver to Toronto, and I, I connected in Calgary. What a nice airport. And those little tourist videos that y'all put made me want to go to Calgary. <laughs> like, I'm there. As soon as COVID's done, I'm there. Man, if you come up, first beer's on me, dude. Oh, I'm 20 yeah. minutes from the airport, this. I got you. And you know what? Like Everyone comes through Calgary, and it's, the city's all right. But like the fact we're an hour from like yeah. endless mountains, man. Like endless, endless That's mountains. That's what got me. Like Those little like little drone videos going over the mountains and all that. I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I, I like hiking. so, And we don't get to do a lot of that in Miami, so I always try to travel to do that. So it looked great. Dude, you, you got to get up here, man. My fiance loves hiking. I'm not as crazy about hiking as she is, but like she would hike every weekend if I was down. So, you know, we got beers. We got a hike. You let me know oh, when I'm you're so coming down. out. I'm gonna, Josh, I'm holding you to this, man. I'm holding you to this. One, one thousand, one billion percent. Hit me up. Let's go. We got a guest room too, man. You know, you, you don't even have to Airbnb. Let's go. We'll, we'll set you up, Doc. Uh, for real, man, it's been great having you on. Uh, thanks for giving me the time. I know I went a little bit longer, but we were, we, we were chopping it up. So, Miami Heat beat on Twitter at GinaVoss103. Uh, what, what's 103? Is it the area code Miami something? No, you know, it's just, that's just 305 is the area code. And I say my, my specific cell phone number starts with 786. Uh, I don't know. I just, I liked the number when I was, uh, uh, when I was a kid, I, I made my first like screen name on AIM and I just liked the number 103. It just sounded cool. I don't know. I was a, I was a 12 year old and I was like, 103 sounds cool. So I just, I rode with that. Okay, 103 it is. Um, thanks again, man. If you haven't yet, please like, rate, subscribe, review. Uh, Jabari and I will be back on Sunday, and uh, we'll, we'll gauge his mood based on game two.